Thank you guys for coming. If you, I think I know most of you. If you don't remember my name, I know the break was long. My name is Kent. I'm the youth and college pastor here, and it is good to see you. Now, I want uh, to ask you a question, and I want you to raise your hand if uh, this has happened to you. Have you ever failed at something? We just saw some fails, and it was hilarious. Yes, raise your hand. It could have been maybe a chore that you were supposed to do that you didn't do. It could have been a job assignment, a homework assignment, quiz, or even a test. So raise your hand high if you have failed at something. I think everyone's done it. Yes, you can put your hand down. I appreciate your honesty. Failing can be something very small like burning a bag of popcorn in the microwave. I may have done that at some point in time in my life. To maybe as big as failing a test. I've also done that in my lifetime as well. Whether small or big, I feel like, and you had all your hands raised, I think we can um, sympathize with one another about failing at something. The person that we are mainly going to be focusing on tonight um, in our Bible study is the Philippian jailer, and he had a major failure. Now, he failed so badly, it was such a major failure, that he thought committing suicide was better than living with the consequences of his failure. Now, before we start our passage, I do want to read um, the passage before to get into some context. If you weren't here last week, we are in the midst of a series called Gospel-Minded Mission. We are exploring what it means to live um, for Christ. And what we're doing in this series is we are going through some stories in Acts, and we are exploring how people, ordinary people, lived out the gospel-minded mission in their everyday lives life. Uh, for those who weren't here last week, we are doing things a little bit differently, hence why we pass out Bibles, and we will continue to do this throughout our series. If you were here during our summer Bible series, raise your hand, when we went through the book of Ruth. Raise your hand if you're here going through the book of Ruth. We're doing something similar like what we did um, through the summer. If you weren't here last week, we're doing an inductive Bible study, which we break off into groups. We go through observation interpretation. We go through some questioning, and then we go through application or what we can learn from this story. So last week, raise your hand. If you remember, who did we talk about last week? Who was the story about? Yes, JJ. Lydia. We went over the story of Lydia in Acts chapter 16. Lydia is key because she is the first Christian in the region of Philippi, which is where the Philippian church starts. And our passage today, we're reading the story right after that and talking about the Philippian jailer. But before we get to our passage and break off into groups, um, I'm going to read the passage before our passage of study to give us some context uh, to help us understand our passage of study tonight. So, if you want to follow along, I will be in Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Once we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune-telling. And as she followed Paul and us, she cried out, These men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the servants of the Most High God. She did this for many days. Paul was greatly annoyed. Turning to the Spirit, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. 
When her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Bringing them before the chief magistrates, they said, These men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against them, and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes, ordered them to be beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged or whipped, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer, who is our main character in our next passage that we're studying, to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison, secured their feet in the stocks. Okay, our passage of study is this one next passage of Acts 16, 25 through 44. I have it up there if you don't have a Bible, um, or if you, um, you can open up your phones if you need one. We are going to go through observation, interpretation, and application. So, if you could break off into groups of no more than four. No more than four, and find yourself with a leader. Leaders, can you intermingle? And so we can get this rolling. So no more than four. So it can be three. It can be four. Make sure you can find a group. If you need help, I will facilitate. Okay, we got uh, seven minutes for observation. Okay, everybody back up here. Everyone back up here. All right. Observation time. Miss Amber's group. Who is in this story in Acts 16? Who are we talking about? Who's in this story? Yep. Yeah. Who else? Silas and Paul. Yeah. Amber's group. Who else? Yeah. God. Yeah, was present. Who else? The jailer's family. Yeah, good job. All right, uh, Miss Karina's group. What happened? Summarize our passage for us. What happened? Do you want me to ask that to a different group? No. You think you got it? What? Just give the premise. What? What? What do you think happened in the story? Yeah, 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 great job. Yep, Paul and Silas thrown in jail. Earthquake happened. Jailer thought all the prisoners escaped. They didn't. He was going to kill himself. Paul and Silas stopped him. They preached the gospel to him. The jailer's household and himself uh, were saved. Yeah, great job. Good job, Helen. Uh, my group, where did this happen? Yes, Gavin. Yeah, so it happened in the jail. So the jail scene happened in the, obviously in the jail. What happened at the river? Possibly. Guessing. Yeah, the baptism of the jailer and his family. Probably around the same spot that Lydia got baptized, if you think about it. What city did this happen in, Max? Philippi, when did this happen, Mr. Hantax Group? Yes, Brock. 
yes, potentially 40 AD, yeah. Yep, yep, around that time. Uh, when uh, in relation to what we were talking about last week? When did this happen in relation to what, what we talked about last week? Yeah, sure. After what? After God had left them? After... Oh, yes, after Jesus left, Aeon was ascended. Yes, you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, this happens also right after the story of Lydia. So the conversion of Lydia and Philippi happens, and then soon after that, the encounter with the girl, the thrown in jail, and then the encounter with the jailer happens soon after that. Casey's group, why do you think this happens? What did you guys come up for Why? Yeah, by Paul and Silas being in jail, uh, there was an opportunity for um, salvation to happen for the jailer and his family. Yep, yep. Um, and then this is also the second household that we know of that has joined what we know as the Philippian church. And this is causing the growth in the Philippian church. Yep. Uh, Amber's group, how? How did this happen? How did this happen? How did the miraculous story of the Philippian jailer happen? Yep. Yep. Who caused the earthquake? God, there's the Bible answer. Yes. Any questions? Whose group had some questions? Mr. Hantak, who's, do you guys have any questions in your group? Brock, you had one? I mean, potentially, because what what was your guys' answer? Did you guys have an answer? Did you guys talk about it? Yeah. I mean, it was enough to make the jailer think that they had got on and escaped. So that's why I would say potentially. Yep. Asher, you had a question? Sure. What, what was your guys' answer? Did you guys talk about that? <laughs> what did you guys come up with an answer? Sure. Yes, Amber. Sorry. I'm not discrediting your answer. I'm going with collective answer. So You're right. <laughs> you're going to read. Awesome. Yes, always use scripture when needed, which is always. Yes, so you had prisoners, other prisoners were listening, and then what happened? Yes, so that would imply that all prisoners were there. Paul said that none of them had escaped, and we had prisoners seeing and listening to Paul and Silas sing and pray to God. Does that answer your question? Awesome. Casey's group, do you guys have any questions back there? You guys know all the answers? That was your question? What about Karina's group? Do you guys have any questions? You guys come up with anything? JJ, you keep on pointing, you keep on delegating. <laughs> do you guys have any questions? Anything confusing? <laughs> yes, Ellie? 
Ooh, that's a good question. Did you guys talk about that? Did you guys discuss that at all a little bit? No? What do you guys think? Does anybody have an answer? Does anybody want to give an answer? Yeah, Brock or Jack? Probably not Jack. Yes, Brock. Maybe. Yes, Al? Yeah, yeah. So, so potentially 30 to 40, maybe, maybe late 20s, 20 to 40, yeah. Middle age, maybe, early to middle age, somewhere around there, potentially, yeah. You have to be fit to be a, a jailer, for sure, yeah. My group, what, que what questions did we have? We had one. I think we had one big question. It was the same one. You're right. Uh, Amber's group, Miss Amber's, do you guys have any questions? Did you guys talk about anything? Right. So how did he know that the earthquake was from God? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm looking at the context. So the scripture says, so verse 27 is when the jailer woke up and saw the chain or saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself. And since he thought all the prisoners escaped, Paul called out and said, don't harm yourself because we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He explored them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So your question is, is how did he know that God caused the earthquake? Right. Right. Yep. 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 So... Um, something that would have been common, if I'm a prisoner, especially if I'm in prison for being innocent, right, where Paul and Silas um, uh, rightly accused of, of a crime, no. If you were wrongly accused of a crime and the doors opened out into, wide open to walk out, would you walk out? Most likely everyone would, right? Yes. If you don't walk out, you're like, well, I was wrongly accused. I have no reason to stay. Doors are open. I'm walking out. That would be my mentality at least. One thing that is um, about Christianity that we talked about is it's countercultural, right? It goes against the majority of society most of the time, not all the time. It flips the culture over. Like it just completely flips the culture in the opposite direction. Notice Paul and Silas stayed and keep and kept all the prisoners in there as well. So I can only presume that the jailer knew that something's up. Knowing also that um, Paul and Silas were also singing and praising God and, and probably witnessing to the other prisoners and the fact that they didn't leave after praising and singing to God, earthquake happened, they didn't leave. I'd be like, hey, what, what do you have? How can I know the God that you know? Because I'm assuming that that was caused by him, and he's pretty powerful. And right now, I'm a dead man. 
because if I let these prisoners go free, I was commanded to watch guard of them. And I strictly uh, put them in the, in the inner prison. I bound them together, and they wanted me to make sure that they did not get out. Basically, and back in those times, in those days, if a prisoner got out, escaped on your watch, basically it was your life for his. And you were executed because you did not do your job well. That's the, the brutality of the Roman government. So he's a dead man, right? And before he was listening and seeing Paul and Silas praising God and just with the order of events, he assumed that. Yes, L. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that was a very um, brave thing to do, but I think he also knew that they weren't going to actually escape. Uh, we will read the rest of the story after we um, go through application, and um, you'll see that he trusted those prisoners and knew that they weren't going to leave. If they ended up escaping, yes, he was going to be a dead man, but they didn't end up doing that. Make sense? Does that answer your question? Yes. All right, for the last uh, next five minutes, go over application. These two questions, what can you learn from the Philippian jailer and how, one, and how to respond to the gospel? Uh, I want you to really focus on verse 31 and 32 in that. And then how, what can you learn from the Philippian jailer and how to live out the gospel in your everyday life? That also should be focused around verse 32 through 34. Yeah, five minutes. Let's start with Karina's group. What can you learn from the Philippian jailer and how to either A, respond to the gospel or B, live out the gospel in your everyday life? Just answer one of those. Anybody? You guys are doing great. I think JJ really wants to say something. <laughs> What's one thing you learned from the Philippian jailer and, and how he responded to the gospel? Anybody? You want me to go to a different group? Yeah, yeah. There's probably some conversation, right? He probably asked a lot of questions. Who in here, after hearing the gospel for the first time, understands it all? That's a good question. JJ, no, thanks for pointing that out. Who in here, after hearing the gospel for the very first time, understood everything and was like, yep, that's something that I want to believe in? For the first time. First time going to church, you were like, yep, I get it. I would have a lot of questions. I went to church for... Oh, my goodness, let me think about this. 16 years, 17 years before I became a Christian, I was raised in a church, in a, in a, in a household that went to church. Yeah, JJ. Sure. Yeah, and sometimes it's quick. Very rarely, though, is it like on the first time of going to church or like being told about Jesus. You're like, I know everything about the gospel. Yes, I understand it completely. Most of us have questions. He probably had questions. There was probably some conversation that involved question and answering. Yeah. Yep. Because Paul 
it says that Paul told them about the word of the Lord. There was probably a lot of dialogue in there. Casey's group, what did you guys have for one of the questions? What can you learn for the Philippian jailer and how to respond to the gospel? Yeah, he realized his fault and his failure, and it was because of his need for a Savior that he was like, man, like, I, I, need, I need God. I need something outside of myself to save me. Yep. Miss Amber's group. What can you learn from the Philippian jailer and how to respond to the gospel? This will be the last one, then we'll move on to question two. What can you learn? Sharing the gospel, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because he invited his household to hear the gospel as well. They were um, spoke the gospel and the truth to his entire household, not just the jailer. One quick comment that I'm going to make, and then we're going to go on to the second question, is um, how to respond to the gospel. Look at the fact that he got baptized. What is baptism? Who can give me a short statement, one-sentence statement that summarizes baptism? Brock. Yep, so you, you talk about how the Lord has changed you, right? Uh, because most people become a Christian, they accept Christ as their Savior, they enter that relationship with Him, and then they get baptized, right? The salvation happens first and then baptism. Yes, Max? You were, had your hand raised? You did. Do you just subconsciously just raise your hand? It's okay. Uh, a, a line that we use here at Crosspoint, and I know a lot of churches use, is baptism. Listen up. Baptism is an outward symbol of an inward change. It's going public with your faith, and we talked about this in our group. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, it is something not to be ashamed of. If you keep something hidden, if you keep a secret, why do you keep a secret? Because you feel that someone is going to find out about it, and you're kind of ashamed of that secret. If you are in a relationship with Jesus and you keep that a secret, you only keep that to yourself, you're kind of doing the same thing. You're hiding it for some reason. Whether you're ashamed of it, you're embarrassed by it, and that's not what Jesus calls us to do, right? Jesus calls out to go out, to be public about our relationship with Him. So what's baptism? It symbolizes the inward change that has happened when we enter that relationship with Him. And apparently Paul had expressed that to the Philippian jailer. He understood that this was a sign of that. And he went public immediately with his faith and got baptized. Mr. Hantak's group, what can you learn from the Philippian jailer on how to live out the gospel in your everyday life? Yes, Jack. Yep, he told people about it. He was not silent about it. And he told the people that he loved the most and was surrounded by the most. Yep. Who else has a, an answer that they want to share for this question? Yes, Gavin. How else did he live out this in his everyday life? He rejoiced. That was something that we talked about in our group. The last action in verse 34, there's three actions. He brought Paul and Silas to his house. He fed them. And he rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. He lived a life of joy. That's also a sign of going public. You're not ashamed. You're rejoicing over something. It's something that people can see in you as an outward action of being transformed. Yes, Jack. 
Yep, after he, yep. Go along with the, he shared with those around him. Yep, you're right. Yep. Does this, what he did after he got baptized, what does it kind of sound like? Sim- similar towards something we talked about last week. Sounds kind of like Lydia, right? Because after Lydia was converted, what did she do? She invited them into her house, showed hospitality, showed kindness, and cared for them. Because that in itself is an aspect of loving others. And truly loving others can only come when you truly love God. It's an outpouring of loving God. Loving others is an outpouring of loving God well. I just want to finish up this story because the story of the Philippian jailer does not end there. And I'm going to read this and then, and then we'll close. Verse 35. I think I have it there. Yep. Verse 35. When the daylight came, the chief magistrate sent the police to say, release those men, Paul and Silas. The jailer reported these words to Paul. The magistrates have sent your orders for you to be released. So come out and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they beat us in public without a trial. Although we were Roman citizens, they threw us in jail. And now they're going to send us away secretly? Certainly not. On the contrary, let them come themselves and escort us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates. They were afraid when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to appease them and escorted them from prison, and they urged them to leave town. But Paul chose, hold on, to urge them to leave town. After leaving the jail, they came to Lydia's house, and where they saw encouraged the brothers and sisters, and then they departed, and then they departed Philippi. So it turns out well for Paul and Silas, right? They released, they were actually escorted, showed to the public eye that they were innocent. And then Paul and Silas went back to Lydia's house, someone we talked about last week. Kind of comes full circle, right? 